Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. How did you, uh, you know, you're, you're coming up through there and somehow, you must have somehow got yourself ready to handle this, this idea. And uh, I'm curious uh, why you say accidental entrepreneur. Was, it, that, was that related to the idea, how the idea came or that the, you were going to, that the idea came and then, hey, we could make this into a product or who's going to do that? It, 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 I would do well, it. How is yeah. that accidental? Yeah. So the backstory was, and you became a founder. All of a sudden, now you're a founder. I'm a founder. And I had worked for founders. Yeah. And incredible founders, directly or indirectly, uh, you know, between Ted Turner and uh, didn't work for Steve Case, but worked for people who had, or, or sorry, Steve Jobs, but didn't work for people, or, or I should say, worked for people who worked for yeah. Steve Jobs. And right. then ultimately, when we were acquired, um, obviously Steve Case, uh, was running America online and another incredible entrepreneur. One way to become an entrepreneur or founder is to, you know, go and study these people and say, right. I'm going to work for them. And then I'm going to start my own thing. But I never, that was not my plan. My right. plan was actually focused on cool companies that I was curious about and were exciting. And that was yeah. it. And I, I left America online in uh, 2001. I was uh, pregnant with my third at that point. And I had my second and third very close to one another. And so I decided to take a little bit of a break. Uh, I didn't know how long that break was going to be. And it wasn't until I was actually spending more time uh, eating healthy, feeding my young kids healthy stuff that I started to realize that uh, or feel like I was a hypocrite because I was telling my children and, and feeding my children better for you things. And then I would look down at the ingredients in my Diet Coke and think, I don't even know what I'm drinking. I mean, it's sort of ironic, right. you know, like, and so I decided one day that I was going to just give it up and uh, because it, it just wasn't in line with how I wanted what I wanted in my house. And I wanted more, you know, healthy things, but also much more understandable things, I guess, is the best way to look at it. And so when I started looking for alternatives uh, to Diet Coke, I thought, you know, I should be drinking water. Water is the healthiest thing that you can do somewhere along right. the way. People said eight glasses of water. I had been told right. that many years, but I thought, well, why don't I do that? Why don't I drink water? I don't drink water because I found it boring. And I could answer that question very honestly. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe my, maybe while I'm taking a break, what I should do is figure out how to make water more interesting. And so I started slicing up water and put it in 
the glass, not thinking about calories or anything like that. I'm like, I, I solved my problem. And then I realized that I had another problem, which was that I had to buy a lot of fruit uh, over and over and over again because it only lasted so long in the refrigerator right. the pictures that I was creating. And another thing happened when I made this switch. I lost a lot of weight that I assumed was just how I was supposed to be. Right. So in two and a half weeks, I lost over 20 pounds over the course of a year. I lost almost 60 pounds. I mean, I, I significant. And I never thought that the, the diet Coke and weight were like tied to one another. I assumed that this was just the way my body was wanting to be. Um, and you know, now I, I look at diet sweeteners as, you know, releasing insulin. I mean, there's a lot of things that have come out about these diet sweeteners. But again, I was drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, for many, many years thinking that diet was better for me. Um, but again, I had time now taking a break from my tech job to sort of think about these things. But when I went to uh, my local store, uh, Whole Foods had just opened. And I went there looking for a product that didn't have diet sweeteners in it, that just tasted better and was closer to what I was making in my kitchen. That's when I realized two things. There wasn't a product like I was making in my kitchen. And also how many, many people, friends of mine, uh, had been convinced that, uh, or tripped, I should say, by these healthy perception items like vitamin water was a huge uh, right. product on the market. Yeah. Um, I was fooled by, you know, diet drinks. Um, but I thought, how many people are, could be helped by a product like I was making in my kitchen that don't know it's possible? And there is billions of dollars being spent on, you know, trying to market to these people and the diet industry. Um, but again, I, I sort of hadn't kind of done the business plan and ran all the numbers around it. I, my gut told me that if you could actually create something like I was creating in my kitchen, that you could help a lot of people. And so I asked the guy at the local Whole Foods who was stocking the shelves the in the beverage aisle. I said, so what does it take to get a product into your store? A logical question. Right. And he said, uh, are you interested in the local uh, producers um, plan that we have uh, with with different local producers. And I said, sure. That's yeah. And he said, so you produce locally? And I said, I do. I'm thinking about it. I didn't say it out loud, but I make yeah. it in my kitchen. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> well, this will be a lot of fun. I'm going to put it on the channel. <laughs> but again, the word entrepreneur, the word founder, the word creator, visionary, none of those were even crossing 
you know, <laughs> like it, none of it was. And so, you know, I think often, like if you think too much about the end, right, you'll never get past the beginning. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. So that was the early, you know, days of hint. And again, I call well, the other thing is the other thing is to get to the point where you think this would be fun. You know, you've reached that you've reached that point with a lot of the things that you've done up to this point in terms of jobs, whether you know it or not. You know, but like with CNN or with that company out there, it's like, hey, that would be fun. That would be you know, that'd be cool. And so you you reach that same point in your mind about this thing. And from there on, you were just kind of screwed. You screwed yourself because now you're going to follow what was fun. <laughs> no, and, you know, I, I think uh, I was doing an interview with somebody the other day. I, I really did prioritize having fun. I was always that person. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a quick example, my dad had one rule in our house, which was we always had to be in sports. And sometimes the sport that we were best at was, it was not that time of year uh, for that sport. So, you know, I would figure out what other sports we could do. So, you know, I'd go play softball and I quickly recognized that I was not a great softball player, but I fascinated by people who were really good at softball and I would study them and really understand kind of you know how they how and why they were good at it and I realized that very quickly that you know I didn't have to be the best at everything what I had to do was be able to go out there and have a good time Um, and that is I think how I've how I've made decisions about what I want to work on, what job I want to have, um, first led by curiosity. Can I actually be engaged in a uh, spending my time there? Because I have always believed that you have choices, right, on where you right. do spend your time. But are the people that are going to be around you kind of helping you to stay curious and i think that you know i mentioned earlier when i was at aol i got to a level which i think a lot of people get to as they're sort of rising through the ranks where you've got people that you are managing and people that are are teaching and i think that there's nothing wrong with that but when you are the most knowledgeable person in the room, uh, you're in the wrong room. Right. Yeah. And that's what leads to dissatisfaction in, you know, your your role within an organization, uh, maybe even in life. Right. I, I think we're we're as humans, if we don't stay curious. If we don't keep like raising the bar for ourselves, then you're unhappy. Well, there's two things if you don't mind me pointing yeah, out. Absolutely. The track that you're the track, the winning track that you're on has been, you know, following intent and uh it's of uh, the founder's journey is following the breadcrumbs, you mm-hmm. know, following your natural curiosity. 
Uh, I don't talk about it much, but my cousin is H. Edward Roberts. He's the one who invented the personal computer, the Altair. Mm-hmm. Bill Gates and mm-hmm. uh, Bill Gates and Paul Allen left uh, uh, Harvard and went to Albuquerque to, to uh, do the software. And so that's where Microsoft came from. Wow. Yeah. The name of the company was Micro Instrumentation. And, uh, and so they were Microsoft, the software for the that's incredible company. But he said, he said, always told me, uh, and, and this was, you know, I talked to him before I went to uh, 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 Georgia Tech, you know, started to, you know, like, how can I get the, the most out of the experience? And he said, always follow your natural curiosity. He said the schools, the corporations, they want to beat it out of you. But as long as you follow your natural curiosity, you'll stay fresh. You'll stay, you know, you'll stay alive. And so, you know, he was a founder, Gates, you know, Gates uh, uh, and Steve Jobs and all of these guys, Ted Turner, they're following their natural curiosity. And then the other thing is they're following growth. You said it earlier. Uh, we, you know, they wanted profit margins and this, that, and the other. And that's the established companies. You know, they, they you know, they want to hold their position. They want to get a certain yield. Because, you know, they're answering to, there's reasons for it. They got stockholders and CEOs that they don't hit those quarterly numbers. They're, they're gone. Even the CEO's gone. So they've got reasons to be rigid and stay, you know, inside those boundaries. But when you're the up and coming company, uh, the most fun is growing, you know, figuring out bigger, faster, quicker, better. More fun. Wouldn't it be fun to be over here? Would, how about if we could go over here? You know, how about if we could expand over there? Wonder what that would be like, you know? And so, like, you're out, you said you're mainly in the United States right now. It's like, wouldn't it be fun to be, you know, in 120 countries? You know, what, what would that feel like? You know, and, you know, step by step, you start probing the uh, future. But that's how, uh, you know, I just want to point that out to people. You know, what's funneling your drive and keeping you on a uh, really successful course is those kind of two things. And that's what gets you past. That's a, that's a good thing. Cause you have doubt at every step of the way, you know, I wrote your book undaunted, but you have doubt every time you get a new challenge, which is every day of the year. And so you, uh, you figure, what are we going to do now? But that, that following your natural curiosity, like, what if we did it this way? What if we talked, you know, what if what we'd find out if we talked to them, you know, if we investigated that market? And then you say, wouldn't it be fun if we could do that? That gets you through, that helps power you through a lot of doubt. Yeah, definitely. And I think like the other thing that happens, uh, you know, with any startup is that you have, you know, maybe you call it luck, but you also are opportunistic, right? And so a hundred percent, no matter what category, what industry you're in. And so you recognize that, you know, things are going to happen along the way um, that, that, you know, you just have no idea. You didn't plan on that. And I think that the more times that happens, you get used to it. For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compressed them into a free webinar. 
That's right. It's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million dollar earners, register now at whitelonwinning.com. You'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. So I think like what's hard if you, you know, continue to work inside of um, a very established company that is, uh, that is, you know, public, private equity, whatever it is, you, they're, they like predictability. Well, right. you know, the people who are starting new industries uh, are used to things not Right. Being so predictable. Yeah. And so they end up being the people that you actually want to put into crisis situations. Yeah. Um, that if you look at sort of, uh, you know, the last couple of years of the pandemic, um, the people that could actually, not in every industry, but, you know, could weather the storm and think fast and, and, uh, you know, keep moving forward were the ones that had sort of either been in a startup and had been used to that or, um, or you know, they had grown up in the kind of environment, maybe if they're at, at a large company. So, um, but, you know, look at Airbnb, for example. Right. I mean, everything was shutting down. It looked like the end of the world. They didn't, you know, Brian runs the company, was not <clears throat> sitting there staying complacent. He was actually figuring out a question that, you know, I I ask myself every every day, like, what can we do? And if yeah. you're not asking yourself that question when you start to hit those roadblocks yeah. uh, in life and business, whatever, uh, then you know that that's a problem. Yeah, and that feeds. Uh... The primary thing is like the hardest job any of us have is to keep ourselves excited about our work and what we're supposed to be doing and uh, finding other ways, intriguing ways, better ways of doing that. What that does serves to motivate us. It's like, oh, I've got an idea. Let's see how that turns out. You know, it's just like someone, if you're a painter, you get an idea for a painting or for a song. You know, if you're, you know, and uh, you can't wait to kind of try it out. And so uh, that's what the leader is supposed to be doing. But the end result is the leader stays fired up. And that puts you in the mentality to be able to have that vision or that vibe when you enter the building or you get in a meeting. You've got something there. There's a pulse going on inside of you, but it doesn't just come. It comes because you're thinking about where can we go? How how quick now when you came in and you got something like you know it was an idea it would be cool but when you start with a cool idea a lot as you get into it and i imagine this happened for you there's a lot of positive unintended consequences and applications that that come to you later that that get you even more excited about being uh on you know, pushing that 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 button. So, did, how did that happen for you as you got into the uh, the the business? Well, first of all, so I had seen for myself how you know shifting this uh, 
you know, habit that I had of drinking right. diet soda into water, how much did it help me? But I'll, I'll never forget. It was the first week that we had actually launched in, uh, in Whole Foods. Um, I received an email from a consumer. Nobody at the time, 17 years ago, was putting emails on bottles of, you know, products that went on in the food category. We had done that in tech. Um, You know, every, anytime that you were putting software, there was a customer service number that you could easily reach people, but it was not a common practice amongst food and beverage companies. But again, having come from a different industry, I was like, okay, well, if we have room, we should put that on the bottle. So that first week I heard from a consumer and he wrote me. And of course he thinks that it's this big customer service team. It's me, it's the founder, right? And uh, he said, uh, you know, I picked up a bottle of this product. Thank you so much for finally uh, creating hints. I've been looking for a product that doesn't have diet sweeteners in it. I have a disease uh, called type 2 diabetes. And I, I thought, huh, I've heard of type 1 diabetes, but I had yeah. never heard of type 2 diabetes. So I said, would you mind uh, hopping on a phone call with me? I'm, I'm very curious. And so he went on to share with me that he had this thing called type 2 diabetes and he doesn't know how he got it. He wasn't born with it. And what he figured out that he couldn't find any doctors to say this, but through his own experience was that he would actually have insulin spikes every time he had diet sweeteners. Uh, And and so uh. he was figuring out, he was trying to find a product like Hint because he wanted to uh, solve his, you know, health issue and drink better tasting water. But that wasn't the reason why I developed the product. But all of a sudden I was seeing that it had a bigger market fit. Right. What I had imagined for it. Yeah. And, and so here he was saying, thank you. A total stranger, somebody yeah. who, you know, didn't know I was going to create this product. And so that's something that I think is also really important for uh, anybody thinking about developing a company. And sort of, I think any founder would tell you this is having a connection with a consumer and the consumers. I mean, that's like, that's fuel for you. And if you don't actually understand what your consumer is thinking, then you know, you're like, if you don't sit, I would still get on a customer service call to really understand what consumers are thinking about different because you just, you have to be able to have that connection. So I would say that that was, you know, kind of the early piece that really kept me going on, on sort of, you know, the other hours in the day, I was dealing with buyers that were saying, no, we're not interested in bringing in your product because you don't have the right experience. You, um, it's not proven, um, that your product. And then on a few other hours during the day, I was actually trying to figure out how to create this product 
to have a longer shelf life. I hadn't figured that out yet. And, And I think like that's the other thing that I learned from the tech industry, which again was not really something that was practiced in the food industry. Uh, you know, when you think about when people launch products in the food and beverage industry, they launch it and then it's like, it's either a success or it's a failure. Right. Tech industry, you launch something and then there's an update, an upgrade. Yeah. Right. And, and like, that's the way that industry works. And so sort of being able to be in an industry like that and bring that learning and that thinking um it was it was really i mean that's the way that disruption happens in industries it's not typically people who come from the industry that are actually going to change right. the industry. um and if you look at everything with a different slant you know it's like you do we yeah that's why kids are so good you know in a certain situation kids come in and say why do you do it that way you know, and uh, uh, yeah, they come in with a clear, clear eye. You know? Yeah. And I mean, a part of, you know, even hiring people over the, over the years, I mean, I've said like, you know, this, this idea of only hiring people in who have five years experience or, did, right. you know, probably not. I mean, yeah. maybe you want some of those people, but you also have to have a team. Teams work best and teams will be more creative when you don't have all the same people sitting in a room right. with the same knowledge base that, you know, they bring something else into the room. Yeah. Um, and so I think like that kind of startup mentality, I think is, it was something that, again, I go back and, and look at as, as really, um, you know, enormously um, important for, for him. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.